Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was introduced to Arthi and I fell for her right away. Wildly smart savvy, and incredibly stylish, she is one of those women that you look at in awe. From being a part of one of Canada's biggest startup success stories, Hello Shopify, to being named Angel Investor of the Year and supporting women of color in business along the way, Arthi is an incredible wealth of knowledge and an absolute joy to listen to and learn from. As always, pull out your notepads, because this one is a goodie. So you were one of the first employees at Shopify. Did you know it was going to be as crazy as it ended up, as crazy successful, as unicorny, as it, everybody says unicorn these days? Unicorn. Oh, all the movies are coming out. Yeah, like yeah. The we, we Crashed oh, and, have you, have you, and the have Uber. Have you watched We Crashed? Oh, yes. No. I haven't yet. Yes. I say Anne Hathaway is the, the cringiest like human in that, like she plays she that role. Such a good job. It's such a good job because I went and watched yeah. the YouTubes of this woman, same, and same, I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh my god, Rebecca Paltrow, that's her name. Is that yeah, she's she's still gonna open that school, eh? He's, no. Yeah, yeah. I read something about the fact that she's gonna open up the school, which I'm like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, if it wasn't the time that we're living in, would would she be a genius? You know. So yeah. I always like look at that. Right. Of Fair. I was trying not to watch We Crash because any of the tech takedown shows mm. and like kind of the girl bossy takedown shows, yeah. I'm so triggered by. Mm. So I was not yeah. watching it, and then my husband was watching it, and I like halfway through, I like got addicted. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so your question was like <laughs> being an early member of Shopify. Yeah. So not one of the first uh, employees of Shopify. Yeah. Shopify was a decent sized company in Ottawa. Okay. They acquired my husband and my really good friend's agency, which I helped build up for four years. And so one of the, yes, one of the first team members in the Toronto office, which now I feel like Toronto is like obviously biggest hub um, of employees. And so early on the marketing team, when we were acquired, it was like a big deal because like tech acquisitions weren't as ubiquitous and in pop culture as they are now. Like that was a while ago. And even the Toronto tech scene was like really small. Everyone knew each other. I used to host a lot of events at our office and 
you could kind of count the people on your hand. So when you say like, did we think it would be that big? No, mm. no. I, I was like, e-com, get it. I'll stay for, here for a couple of years, learn a lot. I really liked my boss who was the CMO of, at the time who turned into our chief product officer. Um, so I was like, I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to do this for five years and I'm going to go start my own like experiential agency. I came into Shopify as like the non-technical marketer and my CMO Craig was like, Let's kind of figure out the other things because he is the underbelly of the internet genius growth person. He was building up this amazing growth and digital marketing team. And he's like, but we don't do community. We don't do sponsorships. We don't do events. Kind of seems like you do that at JC so or Jack Cooper. So like, why don't you come do that for us? So I built out like our road shows, our events, did things like Kylie Jenner's first pop-up, oh. like, <clears throat> or like our first product conference and just, I feel like punched above our weight class, but it was always with the objective of like, hey, like this could be big, but I'm doing this cause I'm gonna go out and start my own like agency after. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, and like probably halfway through my journey, I was like, oh, I'm, I, I really like working in tech. I actually really like product. I switched over to product marketing after that. And yeah, but no, I had no idea like when, I remember when they were going through our options or like the sale price and like trying to understand that stuff. I was like, great fake money. Like, <laughs> yeah. What are these numbers? Right. Awesome. Right. I was like, and I, I remember one of our partners at Backbone, good friend of mine now, Britt, she was our um, chief talent officer. So she ran HR and stuff. Um, and she was the one who explained all the options when we were going through acquisition. And I remember my first one-on-one -on -one with her and I tried to negotiate on the options that I got. <laughs> And she was like, no. And I tell her that story now. I'm like, she should have given me more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, to me, it was all like fake money, but I actually think that's, you know, I don't like commenting as an alumni of Shopify on strategy because when I was there and previous employees used to talk about like all the things they did or like their own hypothesis or where they think it was going, I'd be like, you have no idea because everything changes in tech yeah. companies so quickly. Mm, and like, right. I used to hate when people just left and like would talk about stuff. But I will say like one of the the telling signs of like why Shopify has been so successful and even taking out like what's happening in the market right now, why it's such a strong company and product is because at least like early employees, like you didn't really pay attention to the success. Mm. And I feel like a lot of companies go public. Um, maybe not right now with what's happening with the market, but like when you go public, you will notice a shift in your culture, mm -hmm. which will happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, people are gonna start thinking about the money that they're gonna make. They're gonna be like, a lot of times in tech companies, especially in like the heyday of like when valuations were so high, the second monitor literally is on like the stock ticker. Whereas at Shopify, like that didn't happen. Like it wasn't like we went public. We had like mimosas in the morning, but it wasn't <laughs> like, uh, all of a sudden everyone's going to be really rich, mm. right? It was like very focused and very mission driven, especially early on. There's a, there's a lot to unpack in what <laughs> you just said. I really love what you just said about like, like punching, punching up. Did you say punching? Punching above your weight uh, class. Yeah, punching, punching above, above your weight yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I want to go on about even just the basics of angel investing, but I think that's a really good lesson for a lot of the younger women that listen to our podcast. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, it's a lesson I learned, not a lesson, it was advice I got. I was very involved in student politics. I went to McMaster and I just got really involved, actually probably more in student politics and um, on the like giving back, being involved side than my academics. I'm actually getting an award from McMaster as like an alumni. And I was like, did I graduate? 
<laughs> they're like, we love what you're doing. I was like, I graduated, right? Like, yeah, but like I got really, really involved and, and I was on the like um, academic side as a someone who's really like activist and cared a lot about the future, blah, blah, blah. And I remember going to, this is how I actually met some of my best friends. I remember going to conferences with leaders across like the country from different universities. And I went to Mac from Brampton, born in Parkdale. And I have like a very mixed group of friends from like a demographic standpoint, financial standpoint, et cetera. But I don't think I understood privilege until I started becoming friends with people who went to Western Queens. I'm sorry, Hannah. <laughs> um, and one of my friends who, who ran a lot of these conferences, he worked for us at one point. He said something to me, he went to Waterloo and he said, look at the way that the Queens and Western students behave and the ones who are in the same role as you doing the same things as you. And I think he was saying this for like, to build up my confidence. He's like, they behave like everything is already within their grasp. Oh. And it's mm -hmm. just, it was just one thing that like, honestly stuck with me forever where I was like, you're right. He's like, because everything is so attainable, right? He's like, all their friends, parents do this, like everything is in, within reach. And I kind of always felt like I behaved like that, but I think being in Brampton, you don't, right? right. And so yeah. I always felt like a little bit of an outsider. I went to an art school. And so I already felt like, oh, I'm already punching above my weight class. So it's just something that I've taken all through my career. And the big thing for me when I was at Shopify was this is our chance, like, it felt like we were going to be the next big tech company because of like the makings of it. And it's hard to like explain mm -hmm. it, right? You kind of got to be there around the yeah. right people, right time, all the luck, all the hard work. And honestly, like the founder, Toby is, he's one of the smartest people you'll ever be around. And so I just felt like we couldn't play small. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I think punching above your weight class is something Americans do all the time. Yes, and do. Um, men do every day. But like, but Canadian men versus American men. Right. right? So right. there's like such a big difference yes. there. And so for me, I was like, we're a huge tech company. We have the opportunity to be like anyone else just because we're not in the Valley doesn't mean our first product conference is not going to be in the same venue mm -hmm. that Facebook does it. Right. Oof, I love and this. And so it was like, Oh, we're going to do an Ottawa. We're going to do Toronto. I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> like, let's go to like Fort Mason or wherever, like in San Francisco where everyone does it. Right. And so eventually brought it back. Cause like travel restrictions and Trump scary era, but, <laughs> yeah. and I don't even think like we do that conference now, but it was one of the things where it was always like, let's just keep doing it. Like let's, pretend like we behave and it's kind of like fake it like you make it but it's what would chad do yeah yeah it's totally yeah yeah it's vivian right yeah yeah it's totally what would chad do but like yeah i was like why not right yeah. and so yeah even things like spending on lighting and like y'all run yeah. events so yes. you know right so oh, yeah for me as like i always work in irl even though like i'm a digital tech person. And so for me, I'm like, no, it's about the stage size. It's about the screen size. It's about like what everyone else is doing in the market. And it's like, now it's not cool to do that stuff. But back in the day, it was like cool to throw down on your stage size mm -hmm. like, or like <laughs> how, that. like it's not led, it's this blah, blah, yeah. blah. And like really geeking out about AV to like seem as legit as we were. Right. It's like, don't play small. So yeah, that's my whole like punch above your weight class. That's incredible. Um, you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, um, Backbones. We know that's your company. What made you start that? And can you tell us 
all of our listeners what Backbone is. Yeah, Backbone is complicated because we're about to go to our offsite. So we're talking all about who we want to be. So it's like fresh on my mind. But Backbone is an angel collective of 10 women who we like to say we're the backbone of the things that we were a part of. We were all um, early stage Shopify employees and the 10 of us um, did different things within the company. So some folks did legal, some folks were in products, some people were in talent, et cetera. And the 10 of us kind of organically started hanging out and meeting we were often in the same like offsites and in the same rooms and honestly probably on like opposite ends of like debates and fights because for some reason the 10 of us are the most passionate and involved in everything (laughs) and so we just inherently started to meet and you know a a couple years ago we were like what do we what do we want to do like one person was like oh these group of women in sf like hashtag angels they they have this like angel collective and some people are like maybe we should raise a fund one day and it kind of organically happened as like senior women in tech you're always talking about the lack of women in tech you're sitting on panels you're mentoring companies and so for us it was like how can we have that big impact and i personally think that there's a lot of mentorship groups and accelerators and people (laughs) who want to give women advice but there's not enough people who want to give us money. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the other thing was, is like for Backbone, I think going back to, you know, the Shopify story and the lack of unicorns in Canada, a lot of people haven't experienced or built a scaling tech company right. here. And so for me personally, it was really important to start giving back advice and the experience that we've had outside of the four walls. And so how can we do that in in the best way possible? but also not burn out on like having coffees with Mm -hmm. everyone and mentoring them. Right. right? And so being really selective and, and doing the thing. And so the angel collective model came up. So we decided to launch our angel collective. I was the first one to leave Shopify um, at the beginning of last year. And so how hard was that? It was very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm ready to talk Mm -mm. about it. Um, It was really hard because I like, I love our founders. I was part of something and they're amazing, but it was, it was time for me to leave because I'm a creative person and I think I'm more of a startup gal. So I love like starting businesses and doing fun things. Mm -hmm. Not that can't do that within Shopify or a large company, but I'm just, I'm less of a corporate person. Mm -hmm. I think. feel you. I'm, before we move on, because I yeah. love hearing about Backbone, but I think there's a lot of people who are going to listen and they have no idea what an angel investor is. Yeah, yeah. So can you I know, it's so explain? Weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so odd to talk about angel investing, especially in Canada, and especially if you're not in the bubble of like tech, right? And so, yeah, so Backbone, we started this angel collective. We launched it. We talked about it. It's a thing now. Awesome that it gets the press and attention that it gets kind of sad for me because it shows that like it's still novel only investing mm. in women i'm like what there's clean tech vcs there's people <laughs> who only invest in agriculture like it's gonna be okay like, <laughs> um but i personally find talking about angel investing really conflicting because it's such a different asset class right you have to have a certain amount of funds to legally be an angel investor in your bank account, you have to either have a corp or personally or whatever. So I find it really awkward talking about angel investing, but I'm trying to open it up because I want women to know that there's alternative sources of like raising money for starting your business. And it doesn't need to be like a secret within like the tech circles. And so angel investing is pretty common, especially if you're in like high concentrated areas with lots of tech successes or unicorns, right? So in the Valley, you'll see that 
all ex-Facebook employees and PayPal employees and all the employees who have gone through like going through a public company, having a big windfall, they'll inevitably end up angel investing because they have access to really smart people starting really great companies Mm -hmm. and they can come in really, really early on. And so if you're surrounded by that, you're literally going to a coffee shop and everyone's pitching everyone around you. You're like, Oh, I made some money. I could put 10 K into a company. And so it's just a little bit more normal in places that have high concentration of tech Mm -hmm. and wealth. In Canada, it's not, right? It's like our angel investing um, is still fairly traditional. Um, A lot of the family offices and individuals who are investing money are doing it through either very traditional angel groups or are putting money into like mining and, you know, the traditional resource-based industries that we have. So I find it a little bit awkward, but essentially an angel investor is uh, some of the first money that goes into your company. So if you're starting your own company, you're probably bootstrapping it. You've saved money to like go out and start your own business, um, but you need capital. And so you can go through like bank loans, formal loans, debt equity, BDC types which I highly encourage people to do, but a lot of people live outside of that system, especially folks who are entrepreneurs. Um, I'm learning now that it doesn't matter how much money is in my bank account. It's still hard to like get a lease. Like I was like, wait, what? Like it's so yes. confusing. I yes. had to like have my husband co-sign oh something for me. And I was like, what the what is fuck happening? is this? Yeah. Like it is 2022, we live in North <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also it's like, how can you not understand anyways? So, so it's hard to get money for your business, especially if you live outside of that realm. And we know entrepreneurs do. Um, And then the other thing is like, if you're starting a business, you may have raised money, but all of a sudden like things are changing, especially if you're in a tech business, you talent, all the things. And so a lot of people start thinking about raising money. Um, You can go any ways in private equity, there's venture capitalists, like you can go to a VC firm, pitch them, talk to everybody. But you also have a mix of like high net worth individuals who are your angels, quote unquote, um, who will be sometimes your first check, hopefully after your friends and family. That's an angel investor. What's the difference between an angel investor and a venture capitalist? Or are they the same for all intents and purposes? A venture capitalist is, if they're investing through their firm, they have other people's money that they're managing. So I'm an LP in in a select amount of uh, VC firms that I I feel really passionate about. So as an LP, I'm giving you my money to manage. Mm -hmm. An angel's money is their own money. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So uh, as a VC, you are expected to have returns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And you're oftentimes working with the company to like, support them, help them with their traction. Good VCs help you. Sometimes predatory VCs will put in their own people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a situation, but there's great VCs out there. And then the angel, it's, it's your own money. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We love that you're breaking this industry into Canada and talking about it more just because I feel like people don't speak up about it. So it's a good opportunity for our listeners to hear straight from the source. Um, we spoke about this prior to our mics actually starting to record, but how large of a portfolio do you manage now with this team of 10 total, including yourself? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so the 10 of us, uh, we launched Backbone a year ago. Oh, wow. Um, and we've invested in over 32 companies. I'm looking at Hannah. It might be more now. I think it's 42. Oh, 42. There you go. 42 <laughs> companies. Um, we invested in last year, uh, which was bananas town. Most that funds don't do that much, but it was a, it was a, I think for me, especially, um, I know my number contributes to that high number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but for me, I think it was coming off the hamster wheel of working in a high growth tech company where you're always working. And so for me, I'm still coming off the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I don't need to work that hard all the time. <laughs> and so for me, it's like, I put myself out there and just started meeting everybody. Like, I think I met like, I don't know, 300 to 400 people last year and just heard pitches, did coffee, like virtual coffees. Like your own dragon's den going on. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Zoom account is like- <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was wild. I will never do that again. But for me, it was kind of like, I feel like I was working so hard heads down at Shopify. But what I actually really liked about being in tech, especially in those early days when we were running Jet Cooper was the community aspect of it. And I felt like in order for me to go back into the community, I needed to meet everyone who's starting businesses. And so inherently I got like, I'm, I get really excited. I shouldn't (laughs) say that out loud if people want to come pitch me, but I like get really excited. I'm like, Oh my goodness, you're building this thing. Like, I'm like, I want this product. And so I ended up doing a lot of investments, but I've been an angel investor before we launched backbone. So I'll tell you a little bit about my angel investing journey, because I think we're about 50 companies and funds in uh, with my family office. So Satish, my husband, works at Shopify as well. Um, When we went public, he started getting lots of pitches from people who were starting companies. (laughs) And uh, he was like, okay, I want to put like X amount of money into this company. What do you think about it? And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) should we not do other things with the money? (laughs) And he was like, but no, like, this is an interesting opportunity. And so I would go through the due diligence. I would like look up the founders, think about the product. And I'd be like, yeah, I think you should do it or you should not. And for me, I was like, I'm not going to put my own money into this. Mm, <laughs> like, wow. I, again, second generation immigrant. I'm like, pay off people's mortgages, make mm. sure no one around me has student loans. Like, let's just like get the bases covered. Mm. Okay. Um, but then about three years ago, I was going through our private equity portfolio, still small at the time, probably like 10 investments. Majority of it was in men. Um, mostly white men and some women. Uh, and I was like, well, this isn't really representative of who, who we are. All we talk about is like people of color in tech and leadership roles. I talk about women in tech. So we need to change this. And this was uh, about two years before Backbone. And so for me, I was like, how do we change this? And my mm-hmm. husband was like, well, first of all, no one knows that we're doing it. And like, this is kind of the Achilles heels of Canadians, right? We don't talk about money. We don't talk about these deals because we feel so awkward about it. Um, And even now when like I'm in the press, I feel like I can't actually open up the article. Like (laughs) I can't look at it. Um, It's like so Canadian, but (laughs) 
but we decided that like if we want if we want to change the game we have to externalize what we want to do and what our thesis is so we said for one year we were only going to invest in women and the exception had to be like a really big exception i think yeah. we made like three exceptions and mm -hmm. they were like white guys that are our friends but really smart and starting really <laughs> smart companies mm -hmm. um halfway through the year i realized that majority of those investments were um in women but the diversity mm -hmm. <laughs> and intersectionality was lacking and i was like oh wow i have blinders I have blinders. Even you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so and so we're like, okay, if you want to make the impact and change that you want to see in the world, you have to be very specific about it and you have to be okay mm. with everyone knowing about it. And so I had to shed my whole like, but can you say that? Can you say I only want to invest in women of color? Like, can you say I want to like focus on like finding indigenous women who are starting businesses and kind of shedding that and being okay with it? So um, I did about like 10 or 15 deals before that. And then we started Backbone yeah that's sick Wild. Mm -hmm. okay so when we're talking about angel investing like beyond obviously just financially investing in your in these businesses and companies are you required or do you provide mentorship or other types of insight to help these companies or is it just invest and step away or like different levels yeah every angel investor is different i think the smartest founders figure out who they want on their cap table like who they want in their investment group right because you bring in the wrong investor they're texting you every day every mm -hmm. time like a competitor does yeah. something and that's not good for a founder mm -hmm. but then also a founder may want a specific cap table they might be like hey i have this type of vc who's giving me money and they're going to give me this type of financial support and they're going to help me on the business but i don't have anyone in marketing don't want have anyone who does e-commerce so this is where folks go out to angels who are quote unquote strategic angels or smart money right so ideally a founder is bringing people on the on their cap table who isn't just writing them the check but who mm. can be there for them i think my philosophy is and i think this is because i've been in the early stages of building companies and especially when we were running jet cooper we would run we would work with very very early stage companies i think i just give founders a lot of space and so it depends on what you need from mm -hmm. me. I have a pretty large portfolio. So, you know, if I'm writing like a 10K check, I'm not messaging you all the time. Like if you have an interesting founder update or like an investment update, I'll probably message you if I'm like curious about it. But I don't get in your business. I also think it depends on the stage of company. Like if you're at your pre-seed, I'm going to give you space because you need space to figure it out. Like a lot of times if I invest in a company that doesn't even have a product yet, like go figure your mm -hmm, shit out right. like, yeah uh, but if it's a larger amount of money or frankly if i'm just like really excited about the product or the founding team like i will kind of get in your business yeah yeah have you found it difficult to find companies that are founded by women of color that you want to invest in great question i get this all the time sorry you get it all the time <laughs> i get the question of even before you add the filter of like women of color, I get the question, how do you even find women to invest in? And my answer is like, women have been starting businesses forever. Frankly, like we are left out from like corporate growth, mm -hmm. right? Like we're left off of the career journey. There was some wild article in the Globe and Mail about how, what was the percentage of South Asian women leaving the workforce? Like, yeah, yeah, it's like 70 something. It's bananas town. Like, and so for me, I think women have always been starting businesses. 
Um, whether or not those businesses are good for private equity and like angels and VC and being on that growth path and taking external money is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I have no shortage. And I think once you say out loud, this is the type of person I'm investing in, you get a lot of deal flow. Like I meet, I don't know, like five to 10 women a week. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. Oh. I guess the, it, it, like the question, I have another question is, um, cause what I see from, from my vantage point is a lot of companies that that do need mentorship so they do need help even within the marketing realm packaging all all that kind of like so it's not just here's the money and just go away it's like when i get approached to invest it's more like i want you to invest but like i need your time yes yeah yeah yeah. i'm wondering how do you deal with that yeah, I think it's about being really selective of what stage you're investing at. I think when you are going in at such an early stage and that founder has not thought through those things, you will inevitably be a big part of that. Um, I am learning how to set boundaries. So I love getting into like your brand or I'll be like, Oh, change the name of this one thing or like, let's talk about it. And so I, I think I just set boundaries and, and make sure I'm really selective on, on choosing founders who have thought through all of those things, right? Like in this day and age, like let's say packaging, for example, if you're a direct to consumer brand, like D to C as a D to C founder, D to C is so saturated. And I love investing in skincare and beauty and hair. And by the way, fragrance is a new thing. I keep saying it to everybody. Everyone started to fragrance. I love fragrance. But it's like the next like hair, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a small window. Everyone (laughs) who's thinking about doing fragrance, like (laughs) launch your shit today. It's so saturated, but I love it because everyone's always adding. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm meeting a founder who like doesn't throw down with me on like the landscape of D2C or like their product or their industry or whatever, I'm not going to go in. Right. Right. And that's probably better for them that like they don't take external money at this point. Right. Like my feedback is if you're that early, um, Mm. you need to work on your business more. Right. And that's where like, that's the hard part of raising money. That's the hard part of being a business owner is everyone keeps talking about this, like, I don't know, magical friends and family round that gets them through <laughs> oh things, but it's like, who's your friends and family yeah, putting yeah, that much yeah. money into you. Right. Yeah. And so that's where I think, you know, being a woman of color and you and I talked about this is like being a woman of color. Like I have a lot of guilt around oh money. My God. Yes. <laughs> like the guilt around money is serious. And so I've just set up really good boundaries to make sure I'm investing in the right people at the right stage. I will say one of the things I'm the most proudest of with Backbone last year is 72% of those 42 companies were first time founders. And oh, wow. that is like, I'm like, oh, I saw that stat when we were doing our year in review and survey and stuff. And I was so proud of us because majority of that money usually goes to like second time founders or mm-hmm. people have done it before. So I was like, how amazing is it that 72% of those 42 companies are first time founders and they were ready for investment from a group of 10 women who are like pretty ruthless. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 You've mentioned setting your boundaries. <laughs> Tell us about the process of how you implemented your boundaries. You created them. I'm on a journey, everybody. <laughs> there it is. I'm on a, a journey. journey. <laughs> um, I'm again, woman of color, South Asian household, eldest of four. You just don't know how to set boundaries. And some we women are, it. oh, I'm like <laughs> terrible at it. So I, I'm just learning, right? And I, I think I've made the mistake in my both professional and personal life so much throughout the years where I set boundaries, but I forgot to tell people that I set boundaries. <laughs> 
And then like, I'm feeling bad yeah. and they're feeling like shitty and I'm yeah. frustrated. I'm like, but how do they not know? I'm setting boundaries. This is what Instagram tells you to do. And you're like, oh shit, you have to tell people. They said it in my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, did we not talk about that? Um, and so I'm just on a journey of like, okay, I'm going to set boundaries, but I'm going to tell people so I'm not a jackass for setting them. Yeah. yeah. Those boundaries can be super tricky when you're implementing them. I'm, mm. I'm on a boundary journey too. A lot of people don't like when you set boundaries, especially when you had none before. They're like, yeah. wait a second, I can't have all your time all the time. I can't yeah. have access to you 24 hours a day. But also people don't like when women set boundaries. Oh, yeah. People really don't like when women of color set boundaries. <laughs> like, it's just like, they're just sh- so shocked by it. I'm an investor in Baba. She runs a company called Ceremonia. Uh, it's really great hair care. It's for Latin women focused on like a, a, a niche we thought, but like, her products are amazing. I use them. And she she had an out of office, which I loved. Uh, and it was all about like, hey, like she ran an agency. She's in the media all the time. She's a creator. So she had an out of office that said, currently I'm focused on ceremonia with my team. Like we're going heads down. And she was saying on her Instagram that like, what's wrong with people? Like, why are they one surprised and two upset with me? And so it's just like, I think like when we set these boundaries mm-hmm. as women, people are so confused because we are so giving and nurturing and yes. doing all the things. So they're yeah. cheese. Yeah, 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 very, very much so. Yeah. High levels of angry about any of it. And then it makes it harder to set the boundary I too know. when you don't get any grace. And we talk, we should do a whole podcast about <laughs> boundary setting. Yeah. But when you don't get grace back from people who you respect their boundaries. And then when you said it and someone doesn't give you that back and you're like, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I just said, like, I don't, I can't talk right now. Can we talk about this later? And then they're like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm napping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is such a good, I feel like we could talk for 10 hours about <laughs> this, but how does a person get the opportunity to pitch an angel investor? So there's a lot of groups in Canada that are like angel collectives and groups. I think people should do their research. I think it's the same if you're about to go out and pitch a bunch of VCs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be on LinkedIn all day, every day. You're going to be thinking about like VCs that are invest in your type of industry and business and stage, etc. I think people have to do the same thing about angel mm-hmm. um, and you have to do your homework. Like I got a lot of pitches. I got a lot of reach outs. I'm like, how do you know who I am? Like, where did well, you find me? You're angel investor of the year, my friend. Oh yeah. Mm. I feel like you I must've gotten heard. like a leap and bound of like inboxes. I forgot like. <laughs> about that. And also all the media. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 But even before then, even yeah. before then, like even when I, I just like said it on Twitter, Right. Like, and so I think you got to be really good at research. Mm-hmm. If you I want to like, say people are resourceful. Like, <laughs> people are resourceful. I get comments on some of my Instagram photos, like of me and my son. And like, I was like screenshotting it for my husband. I was like, what's happening? He's like, yo, you can't knock the hustle. I was like, true, yeah. true, true, true. Can't yeah. even judge. I'm like, I'm actually almost Answer like, my LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> like on vacation for once. In yeah, life. no, but literally, I literally, it was like, uh, hey, it's probably like in your Instagram DMs. I was like, which inbox. which inbox in yes. Instagram DMs is it in? I'm like, I'm like blessed. I have a team now and like backbone, we all support each other, but like it's, it's a lot. Um, but I think people need to be resourceful. Yeah. And I also think like, this is why I talk about angel investing so much because it makes me so uncomfortable, but I get through it is because I just want women to know that like this asset class mm-hmm. exists and people are into your business. I do think like there are so many resources out there 
before you decide to take money. Mm-hmm. And like, I always say this to people where I'm like, are you ready to take external money? Cause people are going to ask mm-hmm. you questions yeah. and like, are you yes. ready to grow at a pace that may not be comfortable for you? And like, this is kind of going back to like the takedown of like the girl bosses is you need to be really careful, right? Like think about like nasty gal and girl boss and all those stories. And she talks about that. So like, with such vulnerability, I'm like such a huge Sophia fan, but you take a lot of money and you're growing at a speed that doesn't make sense for you, or you're growing at in a way that you don't want to grow. And so you have to be really clear about why you want external money. Is it just because you think you need to do that? It's interesting you say that. I have a friend who is uh, in this position right now with their business as well. And they had, they were talking about doing the friends and family and whatever. And I was like, cool what are you giving people and asking like those same questions? I'm like, well, is there like a percentage? What does that look like? And they're like, Oh, they had no answer to the question. I'm like, so what's the company worth? Yeah. They're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, you know, that 2% of nothing is nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. and it made me sad because there are resources to help these kinds of people that I, I've given her resources too, to be like, Hey, here's some people you can talk to, to like mm-hmm. sort this out. And you're right. Like it's, it's very real stuff that's coming up. But it's also like, so it's like pop culture's fault too, mm-hmm. right? hundred like, percent. Yes. But like think about like the yeah. era of girl bosses, right? Like I just like the era of Heavy girl side. bosses. Yeah. Right. It was just like, everyone's getting money. And like, it's also, I feel like I play into this where everything that seems to be like a success story is like a raising story. Right. And like, my friends work at TechCrunch. Like they write all those articles. I usually ping them when I'm like, are you going to write about this raise? <laughs> and it's like the raise is celebrated, but like not what happens after that. Mm. So you think it's, you think it's like your business playbook, right? So you're like, I do this. And therefore next milestone is going to be this. And then we're going to be in some media. And then all of a sudden we're going to raise like $3 million and it's going to be in TechCrunch. And then, then we're going to go do the thing. Right. Mm. And it's like, people need to be really careful when you take other people's money. Right. And so, but then also like angels are smart. Like uh, on the flip side, I'm always like trying to coach angel investors. I'm like, that's your fault. You gotta, you gotta get smarter. Um, but I do think there's so many good resources out there. Like my favorite is actually a class rebel. It's a a course that you can take if you're raising. And then it's a course that you can also take if you're learning how to become an angel investor. And anyone who asks me like how to be an angel investor, I just like link them to the course and Oh, guys. Yeah. We're going to link that in the show notes. Yeah, Rebel. Class Rebel is great. Yeah. I run by like this amazing woman. Um, I think she was early Lulu and she just like gets it. And I often tell people who are like in that kind of early, like they need mentorship and support and maybe they don't have access to family and mm-hmm. friends. I always send them that link where I'm like, you need to know like the basic terms, yeah. right? Like yeah. a valuation, a cap table, pre-money, post-money, safe, what terms, like you just need to know the basics before you get into it. Yeah. For those who are launching something or trying to raise money, what are three key elements of a successful pitch? Ooh, good question. Uh, If you know your shit, like you can't be just looking at your notes or like going through a deck. I think anyone who's going through their like whole deck presentation, like people are not listening to you. So like you need to know your shit and you need to know it really well that like a pitch can go any which way. So you have to be prepared. I think for women, you need to know your numbers and you need to know them really, really well. Uh, mm. I think there's a really great TED talk by Dr. Dana Kans. Diana or Dana? It's like one of the best TED talks I've seen about angel investing or just investing and women and men raising money. 
So when women go out and raise money versus men, they obviously have implicit bias. We all know everyone has biases. Even women investors have bias, right? Mm -hmm. And so she did a study looking at the types of questions that women get versus men. And women always get these negative questions versus men always get positive questions. So if you have, let's say a thousand customers, the questions that women get both from male and female investors are often how are you going to keep those thousand customers? (laughs) Whereas men get questions of how are you going to grow this customer base? And it's just like, those are the implicit biases that we're dealing with. So I, I specifically say like a good pitch to me, especially from a woman is you need to know your numbers really well. And you need to be able to talk about like the mechanics of the actual business. Like how are you going to make money? What are some of your goals this Mm -hmm. year? Um, I think that's really important. I think the last thing is, this is really shitty coming from someone who talks about like being inclusive and accessible as an investor. But I think that there's like a twinkle in your eye when you're (laughs) like, when you just like know this is the thing. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And like, you got to know that what you're doing is the thing. And it can't be like on the spectrum of you are, Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway <laughs> talking about raising the world, staring into each other's eyes, consciousness yeah. on the spectrum of you're going to change the world via co-working space. Yeah. One of my dreams is actually to open a co- up a co-working space. So like we crash was so triggering um, to like being so cold hearted about like, I'm just going to make money and I'm going to like exit. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. It's like, you need to kind of be somewhere in there where you do need to have a little bit of that, like crazy belief in yourself and your product. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good pitch for me. Yeah. Great. And I think that the challenging part right now is like everyone is starting a yes. business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's a fact. So there are so many things that I do want to talk to you about. I think you brought up some really interesting references, like, and it, it kind of tweaked something in me about like the girl boss movement, Sophia Emru. So how you do still love her. And I have a lot of love for her too, which is like, that was definitely part of my era that we will talk about in another podcast yeah, episode. So much to say, cause I actually don't agree with like takedowns of right. girl boss either. Cause right. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Like they paved the way. I like, know. Shut up. It opened yeah. up so much. And like toxic and like white woman energy, no offense, but like so much white woman energy, yeah. but I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I don't know. I'm just like, there's, there's a hint of misogyny in the takedown that I'm not into, but then also there's the TikTok culture of like, setting boundaries and yes. the work don't work all the time and, yeah yeah, yeah. we don't want to be came there's here but in between. Oh, there, there in the is it's because not, yeah. it's too far also the complete other way when yeah. when people take things out of context and they want to be like why are you keep forcing me to work i don't want and then the mass exodus of women from the workforce over yeah. covid is terrifying so it's like there, there is an in-between of where and we can't have balance but we can have yeah. women in the workforce who feel appreciated and fulfilled but yeah. also they're still out there working because if they're not there, that that's miserable for Yeah, it's like, the world. like I completely agree that the systems need to change and like the culture needs to change to like mm. work for us. But then at the same time, how are we going to change it if we're not a part of right. it? Like Exactly. That, that is like... Mm. I know that's like not yeah. my activacy no. student union days, but like you <laughs> no, got to be in the system to, to change it. Yeah. yeah, You said it exactly right. Like 
even if it makes like us uncomfortable, we all know better. Like um, Coco says it all the time, when you know better, you do better. Exactly. And and therefore, if you know better, you have to be, I mean, you don't have to, but I think it's my responsibility in whatever it is that I know better in to help create space. And even if that doesn't, I'm like, fuck, I'm uncomfortable or whatever mm-hmm. the case is, well, then how else is it going to happen? If they, they don't even know that this is possible, but yeah. I do. Yeah, right. yeah. And like, yeah, we should, we can talk about yeah. this forever. Because oh, like, um, I have been a poor leader in certain respects back in those days because I did not have that awareness, right? So it's yes. like, you know better, you do better. But then also, you can't just break down the whole thing. No, like, you can't burn it to the how ground. How are we going to change? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah. Then the rules will only be the dudes. It's and they'll true. be like, see, I told you. will be happy like, about yeah. it. Yeah. Thrilled. Um, before we leave, we just want to know in the last little while, what has been your biggest pinch me moment? It's something that we I, we kind of do to ourselves because we find as people that are really goal driven and want to work hard and success driven that once we've already gotten to something that was a huge goal of ours, we're already on to the next thing. And we don't stop in the moment to be like, wow, we did that. So we started doing this thing where we physically pinch each other. Oh, when we're I in, like that. I need to do that. Oh my goodness. My friend was like, are you celebrating things? I'm like, I bought a bag. She's like, no, no, no. Things are not celebrating, idiot. I was like, I bought a bag. I spent yes, so much honey. money to get access to the bag. She's like, no. She's like, you have to celebrate exactly. the success, not just in a materialistic yeah. way. And so uh, I don't have enough of those. But the last one was um, I was just in Fasco. And I remember when I was early on in my tech career reading Fasco and like Fasco was like the bee's knees, right? It was like, yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. And I can't read the article still properly because (laughs) it's not just, it's not like I'm talking only about backbone Mm -hmm. or I'm not like speaking about like a company I'm investing in. It's like literally like a small, tiny profile on me. And I'm like, what is that? That's amazing. So that's my last pinch me moment. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for giving your energy to us today because we need to hear more from people like you. So I appreciate you sharing your time. Thank you for having me. And Arthur, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social? I mean, I don't know if you want to now, but where can you find you? Oh Lord. Um, You can always find me on Instagram or Twitter. I learned how to use my Instagram inboxes after some of those comments. So what's your your handle? It's uh, at Arthur Sharma amazing we'll also link it in the show notes guys yeah. as you always know don't so. message me on linkedin though that place is trash <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah. stay away oh my god Coco says, she's like maybe i should check that i'm like, I'm like no. never no i might delete it no need Co's, you know what to do rate this podcast five stars on apple and don't forget to follow us on spotify you can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at coco and co that's c-o-w-e now go tell your friends about it Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 